Well, this morning, uh, I'm going to be taking you through some more of uh, 1 Peter that you started a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to take a pretty big chunk in 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, before we get started in all of that, I want to let you know that that I've been a a district officer for quite a long time, and and, you know, uh, I've known about this church, I've been here once or twice, I think I've preached here a couple of times, and we pray for you. You are a very important church in our district, and we pray for you and love you. Now, I'm serving right now as an interim district superintendent because if you all know, Bruce Martins uh, retired back last December, but we found a new guy to take his place, and his name is Rob Chadwick, and he's going to be probably on the ground, hopefully in November, Uh, They have to sell their house in Colorado and get moved out. They're going to be living in the Vancouver area. But hopefully you'll be meeting uh, Rob here soon. But I bring greetings from Rob to you. He's thinking about you as well. And so we pray for you as a congregation. Well, you know, we Christians need constant encouragement, don't we? Things just don't always go the way we'd like them to. You know, as hard as we try, sometimes things just get all fouled up. And that's because we're still human beings, in human bodies, with human minds, and human desires and wills, right? And we just, uh, every once in a while, kind of clash with one another, right? And we need encouragement, to understand that, you know, there's something bigger going on than all of that. And so, Peter is helping us to understand here in chapter 2 of his letter that we are something far greater than what we look like. Peter continues to encourage and to challenge the people who receive his letter. Now, if you take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 4 through 10 together. Let's take a look at it. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture... Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. We just sang about that. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, next slide, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, 
but now you have received mercy. Let's pray together. Father, we understand as Peter did that we are strangers in this world, that we are scattered about, but the Father, you have made us into your children through the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we are different than what we look like. Father, how we praise you that through your work, you have sanctified us in Jesus Christ and you have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Guide us as we go through this passage this morning that we might learn from your word and be encouraged by your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, in this section of his letter, Peter uses Old Testament imagery to show that New Testament believers, both Jews and Gentiles, are in fact a new people of God. A people who have come to possess all of the blessings of Old Testament Israel, but in far greater measure. Right away, Peter is pressing home an Old Testament theme. If we look at verse, verse 4. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by men and chosen by God and precious to Him. He starts out right away with this concept of as you come to Him, or as you are drawn to Him. And in using that language, he's using Old Testament language about what the priests what the, the responsibility of the priests in the temple. That they were the ones who were drawn and brought into God's presence in the temple. But now Peter is telling us that we have that responsibility and privilege. So it is encouragement to know that we have the, uh, uh, the privilege to come into God's presence. But it's also a responsibility, isn't it? You have to choose to come into God's presence. You know, as, as I go about my days, I have to constantly remind myself, oh, Rick, you're not here alone. Yeah, Trudy's there with me, but, but I have to keep saying, Rick, you're not here alone. And that gives me the opportunity to think, I can come into the presence of the Lord. Now, you know, that's a privilege, we take that privilege for granted, and because we take it for granted, oftentimes we forget to actually do it, right? I think we need to develop the habit of reminding ourselves that it's our responsibility to come into the Lord's presence. You know, the Holy Spirit's here. And the Holy Spirit can prod us a little bit, but you know, He doesn't you know, stick me with a fork and tell me, you know, remember, I'm here. Once in a while, it's my responsibility to remind myself that I can be in the presence of the Lord. Well, He's already here, right? But I have to remind myself and take advantage of that. And so Peter tells his people, you have that uh, privilege and responsibility. And then he says, you're coming into the presence of the living stone, Jesus Christ. What, the one who was rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to Him. Jesus was chosen by the Father to be the one to die for us that we might have 
relationship with the Father. He was chosen before the creation of the world to accomplish that deed. And it's through His obedience in accomplishing the work of the Father that we can actually have relationship with the Father. And so it says here that He was not only chosen by God, but He is precious to Him. Well, absolutely. He's the second person of the Trinity. We call Him the Son of God. He is precious to the Father. But He's precious to the Father for the very fact that He was obedient even unto death in order to accomplish the work that the Father chose Him to do. And so Peter reminds us of that here. Then he goes on in verse 5 and he says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Now, I love that slide back there about the, uh, the new uh, people uh, event that's going to happen next week. And he had the two little rocks there with the eyeglasses. Yeah, you know, we're all, according to Scripture, living stones. Why? Because Jesus is the living stone. And we are being made into his image. And so Peter uses that image here and he says, just like Jesus, you are also living stones. Now that's such a weird metaphor. A living stone. Have you ever seen a living stone? You know, I've I've never had a stone talk to me. I've never had a stone stand up and actually throw itself at me. You know, nothing like that. You know, stones don't eat. They don't sleep. They don't have baby stones. You know, so, so the metaphor is really rather odd, isn't it? But Peter's choosing that metaphor for a very specific reason because he goes on here and he says, like living stones, you're being built into a spiritual house. And so here he's helping us to understand that, that God is moving us as individuals into a corporate unit together. We are being made like Christ, and so he's the living stone, and we're now living stones, and we're coming together, and we're not just a pile of stones. No, we're being built by God into a spiritual house. Now, what does it mean when it calls us a spiritual house? Well, it's not really telling us that the house is immaterial, because it isn't immaterial, it's made up of us. But we're a spiritual house because we gather together as people who are influenced and affected by the Holy Spirit. And so when we come together and form this spiritual house, we are doing so with the very presence of the Holy Spirit involved in the process. That's what causes a spiritual house to be formed. And Peter's bringing up this idea because he's making a big transition here and helping us to understand that everything God did with the people of Israel in the Old Testament, he is now completing with the people that are coming to Christ, both Jew and Gentile, after Jesus' death and resurrection. And so we are becoming the temple, the spiritual house. And we do it together, corporately. Now we're all, you know, present day 
Oregonian Christians. And you know, one of the problems with being a present-day Oregonian Christian is that we all think that we can just do it all on our own. Okay? We all kind of had that feeling, you know, oh, well, why do I have to go to church? What's the whole point? Well, it's this, because you need one another. You cannot be a spiritual house on your own. You need one another. Now, now listen, we, we live in a culture, just like, like Peter was dealing with, with in the first century, a, a culture that sees us as strangers and aliens, right? People think we're nuts. Okay, well, it's okay. You can think we're nuts. But we're nuts because God has done something in our lives, right? And we need to come together and support one another in this process of being nuts in this world. All right? So that's what Peter is trying to help us understand. You are now the Old Testament temple made with the living stones, the people that God has gathered together in Jesus Christ. What an incredible image! And then he goes in, uh, on and he says, because you're being made into the spiritual house, you're being made that way in order to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is where we get our Protestant idea of the priesthood of all believers. We are all priests here. I might be a pastor, but you're just as much a priest as I am. Gals, you're just as much a priest as the guys are. Okay? We are all made priests in the spiritual house of Jesus Christ. Now, why is that? Because God... How can I put it? Is working out an incredible experience. He's working out... A, a, a way to show the world who he is. In fact, in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says it this way. <clears throat> Sorry, it takes me a while to get there. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. His intent that was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God is using us to show the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms and the world. He's using us to show them what His will is. You know, I, sometimes I think, uh, you know, God, just, just come down and tell everybody what your will is. You know, that would be a lot easier, right? And God says, no, no, I want you to be my mouthpiece in the world. <sighs> okay. So I have some encouragement here. God wants to use us. God wants to use me. That's encouragement. But I also have responsibility, don't I? A challenge. I need to allow God to use me. I can choose to sit at home and watch TV, or I can allow God to use me. Well, so here it says that we are holy priests 
offering spiritual sacrifices. Actually, that's what Matt helped us to do this morning. You know, as Matt's up here with the other guys in the band and they're playing the music and we're singing along, we are offering a spiritual sacrifice to God. He smells it and it smells good. He likes it. And that's what we're doing. We're worshiping God together. And you, you know, we can't do that just on our own. I mean, you can worship on your own, sure. But, but what's the difference when we come together as a spiritual house together and we worship together? It's magnified, isn't it? And that's what we do when we come together. We're acting as priests, worshiping God, giving Him acceptable sacrifices through Jesus Christ. Now Peter's going to do something really interesting. And I, I love this section because uh, I, can just, I can hear Jesus teaching. I, I, you, know, I, you think of Peter uh, here when he's writing this letter. It was in the 60s. And then you think of Peter when he was, you know, one of the disciples back in, in the early 30s. And, you know, Peter just didn't quite get it, you know, as Jesus was teaching back then. He's getting quite a bit of stuff here, but back then he just didn't get it, right? And Jesus would teach. And one of the things Jesus taught about was the fact that he was the stone. He used that image more than once and quoted these passages that Peter's going to quote. And so I hear Peter going, oh, that's what Jesus told us about himself. That's why we call him the living stone. That's why we are now living stones. Because Jesus taught us to think that way. So he goes on and he helps us understand it by saying, look, in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now that's very important because in that day, the culture is what we call a shame culture. You, you live with your family group, with your town, everything else, and you don't do things to, put, to bring shame on yourself and your family. That, you just don't do that. Okay? And Peter is helping us to understand that Jesus will never put us to shame. Yeah, we're nuts. We're crazy people in this society, but Jesus will never put us to shame. Others might think we're shameful, but Jesus doesn't. He's the cornerstone. He is precious. And our trust in Him results in the fact that we will never be put to shame. Now Peter goes on, verse 7 and I love the translation that you had up here because I've got the NIV in front of me and in, in the NIV it says, now to you who believe this stone is precious. Well, yeah, that's true, but that's not really what the Greek says. The Greek actually says, therefore, the honor is to you, the believers. I, I think sometimes our translators get, have this problem with the fact that they don't like it when, they, when the honor comes to us. It should always go to God, right? Well, yeah, the honor goes to God. But here in this verse, Peter is telling us that because we trust in Jesus, the cornerstone, 
then honor comes to us. God honors us because we're willing to trust Him. Wow. That is encouragement. But it's also a challenge, isn't it? I need to continue to put my trust every single day in Jesus. Now he goes on to say, but those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or head of the corner. The, the, the stone here that's, that they're talking about is when they, when they begin building a building, they have to dig out a foundation and they put in the first stone. And it's a great big huge stone that they put down buried in the ground somewhat. And it's the first stone. And everything else has to line up with that stone. But notice it's buried in the ground a bit. And if you don't watch where you're going, you could trip over it and fall. And that's the kind of stone that Peter is referring to here. So he says, The stone the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. And the stone that causes men to stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. Jesus is the one who causes people to stumble and fall. That is so hard to say. I, I, I know when I was young, I grew up in the Lutheran church, and I learned a lot. And, and I believe that, that the Holy Spirit was working in my heart and mind uh, as I was growing up in my teens. But when I went to college, I just kind of threw the whole thing out. I don't want anything else to do with this anymore. Don't want anything. And I started stumbling over the cornerstone. Fortunately for me, the Holy Spirit just kind of got a hold of me and said, Rick, you're being really stupid right now. And there was one night where I was standing in front of a mirror and I just suddenly realized, um, this is who I am and I'm going to die someday and I want to be with Jesus. And an old Baptist hymn came up, and you have to understand I was a Lutheran, and we made fun out of old Baptist hymns. And this old Baptist hymn came up, Jesus, Savior, pilot me. I had no idea what I was saying, but the Holy Spirit knew. And that night, my life changed. I tripped over the cornerstone, but I found him in the process. But Peter's telling us here that people who do not believe disobey the message and that is what they were destined for. Who boy. Anybody else want to come up here and preach that verse? Uh, this is one of the hardest verses to try to deal with. You know, we, we talk about the fact that God has chosen us from the very beginning of creation. He has chosen us to be His people, right? And we go, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, right? And we can be encouraged by the fact that we are preordained, chosen by God to be His people. But there's another side to all of that. What about those who continue to disobey and disobey and disobey? 
So the question is, does God preordain them to disobedience? I'm not quite sure that's what Peter's actually saying here. But let me help you through this just a little bit. This is not easy. You are God's chosen people, but when God chose you, He passed over others. And they are disobedient. Now, interestingly enough, the three verbs that are here, uh, stumble in verse 7, disobey and... uh, uh, Wait a minute, believe in verse 7, stumble and disobey in verse 8. All of these verbs are in the present tense. And so I could translate this, these people are presently not believing, presently stumbling, presently disobeying. And so Peter is saying, these people are presently doing these things, but there is an opportunity for change. If change does not occur, then it will be known that they were destined to do these things. But change can occur. It happened to me. The Holy Spirit brought me back. This is a difficult verse. You know, we have to understand that nowhere in Scripture does it say that everyone will ultimately be saved. I wish it did say that. Now, if it did say that, we wouldn't have to gather together anymore, would we? We'd just go about doing our own thing. Who cares? God's going to save us anyway. But that's not what Scripture says. But is God responsible for their disobedience? No, not one whit. He didn't cause their disobedience. They're responsible for their own disobedience. The blame is theirs. God elects some for salvation, but He passes over others. Now this is really hard teaching, but it is always given in Scripture as comfort and encouragement to those of us who believe. It's comfort to us that we have been chosen since before the creation. It's encouraging to us that God actually chooses us and cares about us. Sometimes we can think God is so far out and so big that we can't really deal with Him. But these verses are telling us that He knows us intimately. And He has chosen us for His very purposes. That's what it means to be a child of God. It's important for us uh, to, to take a look at these verses because it tells us that God is in charge of this whole mess. <laughs> He's in charge. Now, you know, here lately with this new telescope and everything that they have uh, out in space and they're looking at the universe and they're telling us some absolutely incredible things about the universe. And, and I look at the, all of that and I just go, God, you're in charge. You understand all of this. This is all you're doing. It's amazing. But I also have to understand that God is in charge of my daily routine. 
And so I can open up my life to him and let him be fully in charge. This is all God's work. Our faith and trust in Jesus comes as a gift from God. And believers are first chosen, then come to faith through the work of God, through the Holy Spirit. Now Peter has already pointed out the divine nature of our calling when he said in chapter 1 that we are elect aliens in the world, chosen according to the foreknowledge of the Father. And he has given us new birth into a living hope. But now... We are God's chosen people. And so Peter continues on here in verses 9 and 10. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The church is replacing Israel. The church is now accomplishing the things that Israel failed to accomplish. And how are we able to do that? Because through the power of the Holy Spirit, God has has made us into this royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people that belongs to Him. God has been at work (laughs) to do this, and He's even chosen people out of the Jewish family and Gentiles. Oh my goodness. You know, uh, we just don't have a sense of what that means. It'd be be like today, you, you choose people from every tribe, every language, every culture, every color, every whatever, and you put them all together. And you say, these are my people. So what separates us? Nothing. Social status? Race? Whether you're male or female? Nothing. Why can't we get that in our heads? Please, people, recognize that when you see somebody from another culture, another language, another skin color, they are your brother and sister. God has been at work doing this. He makes us a royal priesthood. And what's the purpose? So that we might declare His excellencies. It's our responsibility to declare to the world how incredibly wonderful God is. What He has done for us in Jesus Christ. It is a privilege and a responsibility. Paul finishes up, Paul Peter finishes up here really quickly by saying, once you were not a people, and now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word mercy here is the word chesed. Chesed, uh, that's the Hebrew word. In Greek, it's a different word, but that's what Peter would have in mind. Chesed, the continual love 
of God. A love that is willing to go beyond who you are to see Jesus in your place and to give you the status as a child of God. You don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. But God does it because He loves us. Wow. So, you know, Peter, the guy who, uh, you know, just couldn't quite get it right in the Gospels. The guy who, when, when Jesus said, you know, uh, I am going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to put me to death and the third day I'm going to rise from the dead, blah, blah, blah. And Peter would go, no, you're not. Don't do that, Jesus. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. This is that same Peter. Uh, You think the Holy Spirit's been working with him over time? I think so. And he's able to teach us these amazing truths about who we are. We, we, We are a new temple bound together as a spiritual house in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are priests in that temple. We are a royal priesthood in that temple. We are a holy nation, and we belong to God. Okay, now, as you go from this place, you go out, you go out of the parking lot, you go right or left to wherever you go, to your houses, then you spend the rest of the week uh, working in the real world, right? Right? Well, what does this mean for you? No matter how you're pulled. Let's say right now, are we pulled a little bit politically? Right and left, whatever. No matter how you're pulled, don't be pulled horizontally. Be pulled vertically. Be pulled to Jesus. And so as we go out from the parking lot here and we go into our days, we need to be pulled to Jesus. You are a priest in his temple. Be pulled to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, how we thank you for your word that encourages us and challenges us. And Father, as we look into your word, we realize that there are things here that we can barely understand. Images that, Father, are difficult for us. I mean, what does it mean to be a living stone? But Father, you use these images and ideas in order to help us to grow. Lord, if we have questions about how you do things, about how you choose us and pass over others, whatever, Father. If we have questions about these things, Lord, guide us through the power of your Holy Spirit to simply come to you and say, God, help me understand. Guide us, Father, as your people to come to you continually and say, Lord, help me to understand today. And Father, in our culture right now, we need your guidance to keep us looking vertically rather than horizontally. Father, continue to pull us to yourself through your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power 
of your Holy Spirit, we offer you ourselves that you will do just that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.